podcast focused on lessons learned via the musician's backstory, as well as building successful careers in the business. My name is Allison M., and I'll be interviewing artists and industry experts and offering insights based on events Wisconsin Music Ventures has produced. Let's get down to business. Joining me uh, today uh, via Zoom from Eugene, Oregon, uh, I've got Kahulin with me, um, a kind of folk singer songwriter who um, actually just came through Wisconsin for the very first time, I believe, a few weeks ago on on, on a tour. Um, so thanks for joining me, Kahulin, and uh, it's good to see you again. It's great to see you. Yeah, thanks for coming to the show, Nick. Great to be here on the podcast. Hello, listeners of Wisconsin Musician Ventures. Um, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me, Nick. Yeah, I'm, I've been super eager for this conversation since um, since your show at Shank Hall when we met, um, and which was a great show, by the way. Like, like the other two acts were incredible. I had seen Nathan plenty of times before, as we discussed, and I I knew one of the members of the band that that played, but I didn't know he was a musician. So that was kind of a surprise for me. So thank you for striking serendipity in a lot of other areas of my uh, music loving life, Kahulin. I appreciate it. Yeah, we had we had Nathan Graham opening up a Chicago based blues soul singer. He played a solo set that was awesome. And uh, second of two were the Oxleys, a local hometown hero band um and they had this really cool like wall of sound soothing folk thing going on yeah yeah i i it was just a great night of awesome music and the sounds were different but very complimentary of one another Uh, i thought it was awesome so um and like i said that that was your first show ever in wisconsin right first show ever yeah um that's exactly right and um, it just kind of came about because, uh, you know, I've got some family friends in uh, Whitefish Bay, a suburb of Milwaukee, and okay. um, I was putting together a Midwest tour, and I was like, you know what, let me put some feelers out in the Milwaukee area, and, um, you know, it, it worked out. So, yeah, yeah. It, it was really fun. I'm really glad it happened, and boy, I want to come back as soon as possible. Wisconsin treated me very well. <laughs> oh, that's great to hear, and I'm sure our, our listeners will love to hear that as well. So, um, so let's just kind of dive into this because I'm 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 going to go out on a limb and say that probably um, a lot of of Wisconsin music lovers and listeners may may not know who you are, um, and we're gonna you know gonna profile kind of your musical journey uh, to this point uh, throughout the course course of the next you know, uh, 45 minutes or so. Um, so, so just kind of let me formally introduce you. Kahulin is, is, is introduced as a low voiced songwriter with uh, a, a wry wit. Uh, he is an NPR music featured folk singer who has released an album of long distance pandemic collaborations called Feet, uh, which came out this last fall um, and has been called an as yet unpublished portion of the great American songbook. Kahulin's deep baritone and clever lyrics have drawn comparisons to Randy Newman, Leonard Cohen, and Johnny Cash. Um, From rooms as big as the Kennedy Center or as small as a friend's living room, Kahulin's lyrics have brought laughs and tears to audiences across the U.S. 
And something that I want to dive into with you kind of right off the bat is you were singing the shower single um, that the tour that you were on when you came through Milwaukee uh, has taken you to a handful of other places across the U.S. and even into Europe this summer, correct? Yeah. So, so far the tour has had stops in California, um, Oregon, obviously, and uh, Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan, New York, um, and then starting in two weeks, starting about a week and a half, um, I'll be playing in Ireland, then the UK, then France, then Germany, and I think that's, yeah, that's that about does it. There's like eight or nine dates in, in Europe, and then back stateside for, for a couple things in, uh, in Washington, D.C., actually. That's it. Awesome. And that's, that's all kind of, um, through this NPR single tour, correct? Yeah, that's, that's how I'm pitching it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, super curious, like how did, how did NPR, you know, I, I saw the the video, I've I've watched it a handful of times. It's, it's really creatively done. It reminded me a a lot of, um, uh, a Jacob Collier kind of, uh, video that I saw him, his tiny desk concert, you know, was, was very much like that. You, you, did you produce that video? Did you did you make that? I mean, um, well, I recorded it and filmed it. I was the videographer. It was filmed all on my phone right here. Um, and then I I actually don't have the software necessary to put it together. So for people listening, the way that it worked is that uh, there were four clones of me, four different versions of me, all in the same shot in the same room, my bathroom. The shower room singing in the shower this new song um and the shower was on the shower was on for for this for the song that's correct <laughs> the whole right side of your body is just like getting soaked it was it was it was i didn't notice it the first couple of times i watched it but i but i saw it this last time yeah <laughs> that was that was definitely the most fun and wettest take to to film out of out of all of those clones but yeah i just sent it to a good friend of mine ashley berry who has edited and directed a couple videos for me and she spliced them together. She's a wizard with it, this kind of stuff. And and then that, that, did that happen? Is that what got NPR's attention or was that a part of like the NPR process? So uh, I, uh, for people who don't know, I, I suspect many listeners will be familiar with the NPR tiny desk contest. Um, and uh I have been submitting to that every year that the contest has been around and, you know, around about January, February, um, they do it once a year, uh, and they, they announced the, the contest. And I had this idea of, that came into my head sometime around December, or January. And I was like, okay, this is, this is what I want to do for this video. So we did it, submitted to it. And, um, and, uh, you know, thousands of musicians and artists submit to this every year. It's a great, great thing that I hope NPR music keeps doing as long as they can. Um, it's a great impetus to, you know, make a video and like put something out there. Um, and, uh, yeah, they, they saw it, they gave it a, a couple shout outs in a couple of different spots and, um, and we're just, we're running with it now. <laughs> I love that. That's great. That's great. So no, now that we have an idea of just like where you're you're at currently with your music, let's let's rewind and and let's go back to the beginning. And I want to start with something that maybe probably wasn't um, 
even associated with your music career. Um, and this has got to be the question you get asked the most. Like, you're, you, what's the origin story behind your name, which is not a stage name, by the way, right? Yeah, Kahulan, C-U-C-H-U-L-A-I-N, is my legally given first name. Um, it is also my stage name, but most people who encounter me on stage now think it's just a weird word that I picked as like, you know, iron and wine or whatever, you know, but it's not, it's, that's my name. Um, yeah, no, it's a great question. People ask this all the time. It's an old Irish mythological hero. Um, anybody who's Irish and tuning in or anybody who's familiar with the works of W.B. Yeats and tuning in will know Cahulan or Cucullan as it's sometimes pronounced as this ancient mythological Irish hero, like this symbol of Irish nationalist pride and strength. Um, he was, uh, he's kind of like the Hercules of Ireland is the shorthand that I use to describe it. Um, how I got this name is my grandmother on my dad's side um, was a PhD in Irish literature, English and Irish literature. And um, she had to type up her dissertation, but at the time she didn't know how to type or use a computer. So she asked my dad who knew how to type and use a computer to come type the dissertation up for her. And over the course of a weekend, he saw this name come up again and again and again. And he was his wife, my mom, was pregnant with me at that time. He was like, you know what? This seems like a good name, you know, strong, you know, weird, unique. Uh, that's going to be our firstborn. <laughs> and whether I'm strong, weird, and unique, well, I'm definitely weird. Uh, <laughs> I guess there's only one of me. Strong? I don't know, man. I'm kind of one of those delicate musician types. So. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a great story, and I'm sure you uh, you, like I said, you get asked it all the time. So you're probably pretty well versed in telling that story, but you don't seem to be, um, too annoyed or frustrated by it. Um, it seems like you're kind of leaning into the uniqueness of your name. Um, and it doubles as a stage name, which is cool, you know, <laughs> for sure. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a great brand. Like who, who's going to steal my brand, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and, uh, it's one of those names where like everybody in Ireland recognizes it but nobody really names their kid it because it's like naming your kid like Ulysses or Hercules or something like that. Um, um, and uh, in any case, um, I, yeah, when I was coming up in school, like substitute teachers, I, I absolutely hated it because nobody knew how to pronounce it. Teachers, it would just like get garbled up in teachers' mouths. It was super embarrassing, but now I've totally come to embrace it. And um, yeah, I think it has definitely made me the performative, uh, attention seeking kind of, uh, performer that I am because it's like, Oh, that's a weird name. You kind of have to like live up to this name and, and, and sort of a way. So that's I'm awesome. Grateful for it. I, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's, uh, it's unique in the sense that like, um, like you can really lean into your name where people with normal names like me, like Nick, I mean, there's not, there's not, it doesn't really say anything. My personality will say what version of a Nick I am, but no one knows what, what Kahulan is. And so like, they're going to, they're going to think of you when they hear that word, which is great. That's awesome. Yeah. I had, a, I got a job in France for a couple of years and they looked at it and thought it was pronounced Cuchulon. And, uh, so a lot of people who met me first over email thought I was a woman. Um, I use he, him pronouns. Uh, just to be clear. <laughs> um, and, uh, they were quite shocked upon meeting me in person that I was a dude. Um, so yeah, it's a, it, it's a perplexing name for sure, but one that I'm happy to embrace at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, 
let's start from the beginning of your like music career. Um, when did you start playing music and and what was the journey like of um, like going from playing music as I'm, I'm guessing like a, a, a kid or maybe like a teenager and then and then making it like a decision to um, to do it full time? Well, the specific answer to your question when I started playing music was uh, in Mrs. Yost's sixth grade middle school uh, concert band class when I randomly chose the E-flat alto saxophone to pick up as my instrument. Um, hadn't really played music before then. Never taken piano lessons or singing lessons or anything like that. Um, and uh, then it was kind of off to the races from there. I started playing in like bands and I was a drummer first um, in middle and high school, um, and, uh, started writing songs a little bit in middle and high school. Then I got to college and I thought that college acapella singers were just the coolest fucking thing ever. So I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to audition for some of these people. Um, I remember I grew up in South Carolina, so I was like, okay, I've got kind of a low voice. You've also got kind of a low voice. I can't help but notice. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe these singing groups need some basses. I auditioned, got into some of those, and then um, taught myself a couple different instruments, guitar, bass, piano. And um, I've been releasing music, um, you know, like out into the world on iTunes and Spotify and whatnot um, since 2016. Yeah. Um, first under the, the band name Handsome Hound, which is a loose translation of my name, Kahulan. Um and then uh, starting in 2017, started releasing music under my name, Kahulan. Um, and I've been performing semi-professionally, you know, like on the side, Weekend Warrior, on the side of a day job, basically since then, since 2016, doing like house shows, weekend tours, sometimes stringing together a couple weeks of tour. And then um, I took the leap to do music full-time about this time, 2019 yeah three years ago actually i think we were talking because um the shank hall show was actually i think it was on june 2nd and june 1st 2019 was officially like my you know my first day as a full-time musician because may 2019 i was still like kind of like tapering off of my last job mm -hmm. um uh you asked i think what what why? Why? Yeah. Like what, like, why did you decide that you needed to be a musician? You know, it's not the, um, it's not the, the, the well-trotted path at, at least, you know, as a career choice. So what, what kind of pushed you over to, to making that decision? That's a great question. Um, and, uh, I thought about it a lot before, um, I did it. I'm kind of, I think in the, especially in the music world, I'm one of the more type A people kind of tend to think and plan in advance. Um, so I, I kind of like sweat about it and fretted over it for months, years, like wishing I, I could do something like this. I even like wrote my parents like this, like five page letter to just explain like, okay, here's, here's my plan. Here's my budget. Here's why I want to do it. But it basically came down to, uh, I feel most myself most at home, um, most like I'm contributing a positive good to this world when I'm making music, when I'm performing for people, when I'm writing and recording music, and when I'm teaching music. And I, I can't remember exactly what the letter said that I, that I wrote to them, but it said something like, you know, I'm probably, 
not going to be the best musician, probably not going to be the best singer, probably not going to be the best guitarist or best songwriter, but it makes me happy. And I would regret it my entire life if I didn't give it a shot for at least a year. So quit my job, which admittedly also at the time was really pissing me off. <laughs> uh, and, uh, I said, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a year. I'll give it a calendar year check in June 1st, 2020. See how it's going. As everybody knows, June 1st, 2020 was just like every June before it. So <laughs> <laughs> anyways, no, I, I, I've just been rolling with it. One year turned into two years, turned into now three years. And yeah, I'm, uh, I'm arguably happier than I've ever been in my life and feel like I'm in many ways doing what I was born to do. Um, so I'm just going to hold on, hold on to these reins and, and r ride this as long as I can. <clears throat> yeah, that's incredible. I'm so happy to hear that, you know, um, especially with musicians, when the thing that they're, they're, their heart is drawn to, their soul is drawn to, they, they, they make the leap and there's no regrets. And it, and it does create this kind of sense of internal um, peace and, and happiness, um, despite, you know, how the external circumstances are or are not going well um you can tell uh, a musician is um you know purpose driven when they're happy you know playing regardless of whether they're making you know pennies and dimes uh you know busking on the street or you know filling you know large venue shows so it sounds like that's something that uh it was a realization of a connection within yourself and uh and it's obviously impacted the external parts of your life uh in a lot of ways and it's taken you around the country and around well soon to be around the world um so 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 what's like can you go into a little bit more uh kind of details or have any stories to share about like um moments over the past three years where you're just like, this would not have happened if not, if I had not made the decision to be a full-time musician, or this is only happening because I play music. Um, just moments of gratitude for the decision that you made to, to go into music full-time. Ooh, that's a good question. Moments over the past three years. Well, about two of those years in the middle there, um, there kind of wasn't a whole lot of live music performance going on, but let me think about this. Um, yeah, I mean, when you have a really, really good show, uh, it's, it's, uh, very, very much life giving. Um, uh, I'm thinking about, uh, in October, 2019, I did a little tour in Texas and played in Austin and San Antonio and Houston and Dallas. And, um, uh, yeah, that was definitely my the Austin show there, Austin, the live music capital of the world, or so they claim. That was definitely one of my favorite performances ever. Um, it felt like I was part of a community of musicians and artists who were building something bigger than themselves. Um, it was it, just on stage. It was just me and, and a drummer for most of the set, uh, or just me for the set. Um, and... Um, but there was a room full of people who were listening, singing, dancing, laughing, crying together, um, united by, by music. Uh, there's been a couple of moments like that. Like we played a couple of weeks ago, uh, a private event for the sisters folk festival. And that felt really magical. Um, though, uh, 
Yeah, the way you phrased the question also makes me think of another aspect of my life. You said, what would have been possible if I hadn't made this leap? So um, to fill in the gaps between, you know, what performances don't pay for, I teach a lot of lessons. I'm a music teacher. Um, and honestly, that has been one of the most gratifying parts of my life the past three years is, um, you know, I've got somewhere around 20, 25 students right now. And um put together a, a recital twice a year so that the, the students, kids, you know, millennials, adults, um, can get together and perform what they've been working on. And, um, that is always magical. And I'm super grateful <coughs> to the decision to do this so I can see, uh, these students have that, that same feeling that I had in that Austin bar room, you know, um, of like, you work really hard at something you put a lot of time and effort into it and it goes well and you're lifted up and the people who are listening to you are lifted up. Um, yeah. 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 Man, as a, as a community nerd, uh, and a community builder by profession, those that, you know, that, uh, kind of testimony is, is music to my ears. Um, just that there, that's what music does for me too. It's just this communal experience where, um, you just feel like everybody's really, you know, tuned into the present moment. And, and there is something there that's bigger than what the, what the musician or the band on stage is producing, but obviously that's, um, a driver of that kind of experience. So, um, it's, it's awesome to hear you talk about it like that, man. I, I, well, I mean, you know, coming out of the pandemic when performers were stuck performing in front of a screen like this, you know, uh, it's one thing to put yourself out there and, you know, see a red light blinking in the corner with a number of people who are tuning in or, you know, a zoom screen of people who are on mute and clapping and whatever, but it's a whole nother thing to be in a room full of people who are tuned into this thing, participating in this thing, you know, laughing, reacting in real time to this thing. And yeah, that's just something I'm not going to take for granted ever again, I don't think. And I need to, I need to remind myself of that daily, that it's precious and is totally something that cannot be replaced. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's obviously the, the, the draw of the community feeling, um, and, and the necessity of it, um, in the music industry, but let's go to the other side of the industry and talk about like the business side. Um, you know, how did you, learn the business of of the industry you know how did you figure yeah. this out there's an entrepreneurial um you know side of, of being a musician um that i think often um music lovers don't necessarily think about you know yeah um so yeah. how did you learn that how did you pick that up you are running a small business for sure i'm a in the eyes of the irs i am uh a, a self-employed small business LLC, a sole proprietorship owner. So yeah, it's a, <laughs> it is definitely entrepreneurial. I like how you said that. Um, how do I pick it up? I, I think, I think that if I had to distill it down to one sentence, it is just ask questions, a ask people who are doing it, you know, how they did it. Asked bands and musicians that I admired, like, Okay, how did you get that gig? You know, how did you plan that tour? Who's booking that for you? Where, like, just pay. Um, I forget who said it, but uh, was it Confucius? Man, I'm gonna totally butcher this. But like, 
you know, the whole world can be your teacher if only you just look and listen hard enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when bands who were, you know, like maybe a step or two further beyond where I wanted to be, when they announced a tour, I made a note of like all of those venues and those venues have websites and those websites usually have contact information. That's how you book a tour. Boom. Um, talking to other musicians. Um, there are a lot of resources, you know, like, uh, some cities, some bigger cities like DC where I lived for four years, um, the Bay area have like musician communities, you know, like, um, sometimes they're like official organizations who are meant to like support musicians. Maybe Milwaukee has one. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, Wisconsin music ventures is one of those organizations. Boom. Hey, what do you know? I'm in the right spot. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) But yeah. And, uh, those resource hubs are super, super helpful. I definitely like went to a couple meetings of like something like this in DC and like had a pen and paper, took notes and like, you know, did the whole like brown eyed, bushy tailed, um, thing. Um, and then you just, you know, start doing it, giving it a shot. You'll trip up, make a lot of mistakes. And then the more you do it, the better you get at it. It's kind of one of those things. Yeah. I mean, that it's, it's, it's great to hear that. Cause I mean, that's how I, that's how I learn, you know, I learn around others, not like in a, in a, in a vacuum and, and, you know, being an entrepreneur and learning most of what I've known about entrepreneurship from other entrepreneurs who have walked that path. To me, it's the, again, it comes back to that communal experience of like, how do I use what I have right now, which is not a lot of knowledge, but I have contacts. I have an email address. I can, I can reach out to people. I can show up to, you know, networking events or meetups or whatever and learn and ask questions. So it seems like that's the path you took. And I think to me, it's, it's, it's the most effective and usually the most affordable path um, because you could just show up, you know, showing up is 90% of, of, of the work, you know? Um, if you want people to show up to your stuff, you should show up to their stuff, you know? Totally. Uh, one of the things about that I love about where I'm at right now is that, um, uh, you know, I, I reach out to so many different musicians and artists uh, in different parts of the world where I, travel to, um, and I get to meet and share bills with and hear so many, so many amazing, amazing bands, amazing art, amazing music. Um, and it's one of those really cool things where, um, I become a fan of them. If I do a good job, they become a fan of me. And then we're just like kind of friends, you know? And, um, I guess, uh, to anybody who's listening to this right now, who's, you know, trying to do something along these lines, I would definitely say like, like, like it is not a zero sum game. Like you support, support people. They'll support you. Um, if they succeed, that doesn't mean you're not going to succeed, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I can attest to that. I was just at a, at a show last night with a couple of, uh, Wisconsin music venture member musicians. And, um, thankfully, they were not the only member musicians in the room. They were the only ones on stage, um, but at, at least two or three more musicians from Wisconsin Music Ventures came and showed up to support them, to you know, wear wear their merch and um, things like that. And um, you know, I've, I'm seeing that happening in other kind of pockets of Milwaukee as well. Just uh, there's like this new grassroots collective called the Milwaukee Music Village that is kind of rallying musicians who are ready to kind of know each other, to show up to each other's shows and um, promote each other on social media. It's, 
it's great, you know, whether it's formal or informal grassroots or, you know, kind of more, you know, organized and maybe even a bit corporate, like it's all good. It's all kind of the shared, same shared mission. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, that's the magic of, of, of community. Um, and it's, it's, it's alive and well in the music industry. Um, and I think that it's alive and well in a lot more industries that it wasn't alive and well in before because of, you know, the pandemic and how isolated we were, we, we understand how important it is now. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about like just the good things uh, and the opportunities that you've had in your music career and how you've leveraged, um, you know, other musicians and resources and things like that. What, you know, on the flip side have been some of the biggest challenges for you uh, over the years and how did you address them? Well, fortunately for me, over the past two years, there have been none. No challenge okay. whatsoever. No. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, this whole COVID thing has thrown a wrench into everything. You know, on this Midwest tour, we had a potential exposure at one of the shows after my Milwaukee gig, actually. And just dealing with that was a total nightmare. Um, that's something that just hasn't been there before. Though, once again, I just want to express gratitude to the world, to science, to vaccines, to booster shots that we can't even do this in the first place and do it without the threat of dying. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm extremely grateful for that. Um, this is, yeah. Um, what are the challenges? Money is always a challenge for any self-employed independent musician. Um, but it is with any venture, any entrepreneurial venture. What, what are you gonna invest in? <laughs> are you gonna invest in a tour this year? Or are you gonna invest in recording this year? Kind of a thing. Um, uh, other challenges, I, you know, honestly, those are, those are the two big ones that are top of mind right now. Just like, um, <clears throat> being able to, um, yeah, I, I, I read a, uh, a, like a listicle written by a musician based out of like Durham, North Carolina once that was like, here's how to be a full-time professional musician. <clears throat> Step number one, uh, focus on your art make sure your art is good or you feel like it's good. Number two, make sure that your budget is balanced. <laughs> you know, like make sure your ins are at least as much, if not more than your outs. Um, your income is more than your expenses. Um, otherwise something's got to change. You got to get a day job or you got to pick up more lessons or something like that. So honestly, there were like, 15 other points to the listicle, but I don't even remember them because those are the two ones that stuck with me from that article. And um, those are the two biggest challenges, but also the two biggest motivating factors for me for being in this, in this business. Do, do you typically like, um, you know, as a, as a creative, as an entrepreneur, do you typically get hung up on challenges and like, ruminate on them for a while on different solutions or do you just like okay this is a, this is what it is and i'm going to try something if it works then great i figured it out if it doesn't then i'm going to assess and try something else like how, how does that usually what's your what's your mental navigation with challenges mm. yeah that's a great question something you just said reminded me of uh something that one of my bosses uh at one of my previous day jobs once said, which is that the whole economy is just a series of experiments, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Every, every challenge that exists, um, 
we humans are just tr- trying different things. We're fucking around and we're going to find out. Ooh, I probably can't swear like that on a podcast. You're okay. <laughs> Excuse me. We're we'll leave that. We'll leave that to, uh, to our producer. She, she can take care of that. So Shannon, okay. do, do whatever you want with that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, producer. Anyways. <laughs> um, yeah, we humans are just struggling against the void and um, there are constant challenges to exist and survive. And we are, working against them. Sure. I have challenges, um, you know, on a month to month basis, on a day to day, moment to moment basis. And there are totally times when I go down a rabbit hole and I'm just in a black hole of like, dang, I can't get this one thing right on this one song. What the hell is the heck is this? Um, and then sometimes I feel like I'm on top of the world and, um, yeah. Uh, I guess, to anybody who's listening who is struggling right now maybe a musician who is a challenge that is facing them uh sometimes you know you just gotta like put it down walk away from it for the rest of the day come back tomorrow maybe you'll like go on a walk maybe you'll talk to your sibling maybe you'll like make a good meal whatever maybe you'll watch some stranger things on netflix come back to it with a fresh perspective tomorrow and it'll look a little bit different i don't know yeah and then that that kind of like segues into my next question and you've you've already shared so much um advice that that have been that has been helpful to you with with other musicians who um are listening but do can you point to one that you would say has been like one experience or one piece of advice or one person um that you could say like this was the greatest lesson i've learned along the way of being a musician whoa wow uh, the greatest lesson I've learned along the way. Um, okay. Uh, the first, that, that's a huge question and impossible question to answer. But the first thing that's coming to my mind right now is that, um, so over the past five years, six years, I have been leading a songwriting camp in Washington, DC called, uh, the Cassiopeia Academy for music performance and songwriting, C-A-M-P-S, camps. Um, and I co-founded it with this, uh, um, one of my best friends in the world, Jenner Fox, an incredible musician and songwriter and troubadour in his own right. Um, and, uh, you know, when we were putting together some of the values of the camp, like values of what we're trying to teach some of these kids, actually, do I have it? Oh, I have it right here. Yeah. Um, the camp's motto. Um, uh, I'll skip the to the music we went through and we did like Cassipio. Why Cassipio Academy? Why Academy? Music. Why music? It's the best thing in the world. Performance. Why performance? To share the best thing in the world. Joy and generosity. And that joy and generosity piece... Um, if I just approach things that I'm doing in the music business with a mindset of joy and generosity, like whether it's dealing with a booking agent, whether it's dealing with, uh, you know, an opening band, whether it's, uh, you know, working the merch table, whether it's interacting with fans on stage, if I'm, if I take a step back and I'm, and I'm thinking, am I being, do I, am I being joyous? Am I being generous right now with what I'm doing? Or, or am I being kind of selfish? Am I being kind of negative? 
then that kind of helps me put things in perspective. Um, am I being generous with my time and my support and my attention? Um, uh, that was kind of a weird backwards way of answering that question because Jenner and I came up with that kind of together. So am I kind of saying that I gave myself the best advice? No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, I think it works, man. Like, honestly, some of the, the um, you know, by no means is this kind of coming across as like, uh, you know, I know the best lesson by anything, but like, you know, sometimes it takes several people to tell you some semblance of the same thing before yeah. you make your own version of it in your head. And mm -hmm. that's the one that resonates the most, you know, it's yeah. like, I mean, that, that happens with, with me, me with music all the time. Like there'll be a lot of different songs that I'll like, but then there's one musician that's like kind of blends all those. And mm. Um, mm. Um, I'm, I, I typically don't take one singular source of advice um, it's a combination of books and podcasts and experiences and people that I've met in the grocery store and just like kind of one-off wow. comments. Um, but I don't know, at least for me, I know that the only person that really gets through to me is me. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it, it does kind of stick with you best when it feels like it came from you, but really you're right. It came from like many different experiences that shaped your, your worldview. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like I said, you've given a lot of advice already to kind of musicians working um, there. And I think that the, the one that, that you, the greatest lesson being like the joy and generosity, it's not a technical thing, right? It's, it's a, it's a mentality thing. It's a, it's a, it's an energy thing. How do you show up, you know, and, and what are you being, what are you being mindful of? Um, so, and you talked about like the, the gig or the, 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 the performance experience that kind of, ushered you into the decision of being um a full-time musician in austin um would would you say that was been your favorite gig or is there another gig that you can point to that says you know in the last you know three or four years this is by far the most memorable gig because of this well they're definitely memorable gigs just because of how big they were you know um when my band handsome hound performed at the Kennedy Center's Millennium Stage, that was big um, and memorable. And there's also a video of it, so it's memorable in that way. I can go back and watch it. Um, the, uh, our performance at the Sisters Folk Festival um, shindig earlier this spring was memorable, uh, just because the sound was so good and the tent was so big. Um, but uh, yeah, I've been telling people for a while that that, that small Austin bar, I think it was called the, uh, oh shoot, it was called Stagold Austin, but it's it's changed names now. It's called like Long Play or something like that. Anyways, <coughs> I've been telling people that that was my favorite just because of the energy in the room. And it doesn't take a huge stage to, to make a, a really, really good show. Like honestly, I had four shows in the Midwest um, started with Shank Hall, had a house show in Ann Arbor the next night, and then two shows in Chicago that Saturday. And every single one of them was amazing. The smallest one was probably Shank Hall, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, and But Shank Hall was amazing because everybody was so intently listening and participatory. And 
Um, and uh, yeah, I'm going to treasure and cherish uh, the memories of those four Midwest shows for a while. Yeah. And I think, you know, just my, um, my, the, my the kind of network of musicians and like, there's not that many that have actually played Shank Hall. Um, so that's, that's a, a cool experience for you um, to have never played in, in Wisconsin and, and then play at Shank. And um, Shank always has like a very um, different uh, kind of vibe. And, the, you know, the demographic is different than what you're going to find at like a bar gig or something like that. And it's a really kind of intimate and dedicated, like listening environment. And those are the shows that, um, that draw me to, to live music is mm -hmm. when it's not something that's background music, everybody's there. You can hear a pin drop in between notes. Um, and I think that's, those are the experiences that musicians themselves uh, appreciate the most. And, and so it's glad to hear that you, you, you had a good time with that show and that that was a memorable one for you. Um, so, so let's, let's kind of look into the future. Um, we, we've kind of where you're at right now, we dove back into where you've been and, and how you got to where you are. Um, and obviously you've, you, you got this, this, this tour coming up, uh, you know, other places in the States as well as in Europe. Um, like what excites you the most about like future Kahulin, um, and, and the experiences that, that you are going to have in the music oh, wow. industry. Dang. Wow. What a great way to frame that question. Um, and a very good question. Um, I, um, the past couple of years have been fortunately very, uh, productive for me in terms of songwriting. Um, so I am excited after this tour wraps up. I mean, forget about it, man. This tour is definitely the thing that I'm most excited about in the near term future. Um, so stoked to be out there doing the thing again. Um, but, uh, after that, yeah, I'm excited to spend some quality time in the studio and, uh, crafting these songs in a way that they deserve to be crafted and seeing, you know, seeing where it goes from there, just taking it day by day, month by month, year by year. Yeah. I think 20, 2023 will be, will be a good year. I'm, I'm going to manifest that for not just myself, but just for the whole, you know, independent musician world. Yeah, man, that uh, is great. I, I love, I always like kind of hesitate when I ask questions about why are you excited about the future? Cause I myself would answer that. Like, I'm not thinking about the future. I'm thinking about right now, you know, like I'm just kind of trying to be present, but um, you know, any entrepreneur, you have to, you have to plan a little bit in advance, you know, um, with some room for pivots and, 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 and other feelings to kind of affect where, where you end up going. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm definitely more of like a, I feel my way through the future versus like plan my way through the future. Um, so, so I always hesitate before I ask that question, but you answered it perfectly. Like, you know, you're, you're excited about what you're doing right now. Um, you're excited about, you know, the, some of the songwriting that you've done. I'm excited about that, dude. You are a great, like, you're very poetic in your, in your, in your lyrics and your songwriting. Um, some of your songs that you, you know, that you played at Shank Hall were like incredibly like modern and like, like relevant, you know, it was, it was, it was both like kind of hilarious, but also made you think, oh yeah, like that is kind of a thing now, or it has mm -hmm. been a thing. And I've loved how your songwriting has been inspired by the different places that you've lived 
and the stages of society and kind of the the more uh, relevant or influential aspects of of that. Um, and so, like maybe backtracking here a little bit here, but like what what does inspire your songwriting? Like, is is songwriting a joyful part of being a musician for you, or is it just the performing or the recording? Mm. First of all, thank you for the mountain of compliments you just heaped on me. I just want to say that. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, I love songwriting. I love, I love it so much. I love to teach it. Um, I've been trying to do this thing this year where every morning before I do anything serious with my brain, I wake up and write, set a timer on my phone for five minutes and write a bad poem just to, just to write something. I haven't done it yet today. So I got to do that after we finish up this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah. I love songwriting. Where does it come from? The ultimate question for any songwriter, where does it come from? Sometimes it's a person that I want to really say something to, and I don't really have another way to say it. Sometimes it's a, a place. Um, sometimes it's a particular moment and experience. Um, Sometimes it's just an emotion. Sometimes it's just a word. Sometimes it's a phrase. New year, new you. Um, and it just pitfalls from there. Boy, if I had the answer to the question, uh, how do you write songs? And I feel like I'd be a millionaire right now. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, sometimes it, it takes a lot of work. Sometimes it just pops out. Sometimes it can be planned in advance. Sometimes it happens when I least want it to. Um, yeah. Do you have a favorite song that you've written? And uh -huh. can we use that one as an example as to like, what do you remember about the writing experience of that song? Um, well, one that I get a lot of comments on after the show is a lot is the song called Ben there. Um, which I'm, I'm pretty sure I played it. You did, yes, and you and you you kind of told the story about that. Um, but I'll let you do that those honors if you wish. Well, the story that I'm going to tell you is not the story that I told on stage. The, the story okay. of how it actually got written was we were visiting some friends in D.C. Uh, for New Year's around like 2018. I think it was yeah 2018 to 2019 that that New Year's cycle, and um, one of our buddies had just gone through a really bad breakup. And he was talking about how he was just staying up late at night, just cruising Tinder. I was like, I remember thinking like, you probably need a song for that. Don't you? Like when you're doing that. And, um, I wrote that down in my notes app, didn't think about it for a couple of days. And then we were flying back to California where we were living at the time. And, uh, some weird, like uh, polar vortex grounded the plane in Las Vegas. You don't often hear about East to West, red eyes, but we had an east to west red eye for that exact reason. And um I could not get to sleep. It was four AM in Las Vegas, stuck on this hot plane, and I just started writing stuff. And I woke up the next day and Ben there was there. Um I don't really remember writing some of it. Um and then uh you know, I tweaked it a little bit here and there over the years, but that's pretty much what I sang for you at Shank Hall mm -hmm. two weeks ago um yeah yeah that's yeah. cool that's a i mean it's a cool origin story of that of that song um not just the influence but the environment that you were that you were in when you wrote it that's 
I always wonder, like, when I'm seeing musicians and there seems like there's some more passion uh, or maybe even a more emotion behind a particular song that they're singing, I always wonder, like, I wonder where they were when they wrote this song, because mm-hmm. I think, I don't, I don't know, because I'm not a musician, I'm not a songwriter, but I think that that's something that um, may come out of people when they're, when they're performing a song that means something to them. Um, there's usually, I would imagine there's usually some sort of reflection back to the moment in time and the place that they were in when they wrote that song. Um, yeah. And so unfortunately yours for that song is a hot plane in the middle of, <laughs> of a polar vortex in Vegas at 4 a.m. Yeah. That's unique, man. That's unique. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, wrapping up here a little bit, uh, what do you want uh, the audience? Um, and the, I just mean like the audience of your music, um, also the audience of this podcast and or other musicians to know about Kahulin mm. or just like your your kind of mantra for making music or like what, what, is, what, what do you want people to remember when they think of Kahula and they want you to, they want, they want, you want them to think of what? Uh, well, if they're still listening to this point in the podcast, I would say kudos to y'all. Thanks for making it this far. <laughs> Listen to me spout about, I don't even know what for the past hour. Um, what do I want them to know about me? Um, ah, uh, Kahulin. It's spelled just like it looks like it's pronouncing. No. Uh, um, what do I want them to know about me? Uh, boy, the impossible question. <laughs> Another impossible question. <laughs> um, I want them to know that my website is kahulinkelly.com. And uh, there are many things for them to explore about me right there. And then, and um, if they're ever in Eugene, Oregon, uh, for the next year or so, hit me up. Let's go grab a brewski doodle or something. Brewski doodle is, is that an organ thing or did you just make that up? I think that might just be a me thing. <laughs> Great. I love it. I would love to have a brewski doodle with you in Eugene, Oregon. I've never been out there. So sure, dude. I should make a trip. Come on out, man. Track town USA. Yeah. That's where it's at. It's really nice right now too. So my last question was going to be, you know, where can people find you? Uh, but you already kind of plugged your, your, your website there. So what about social media? What, uh, where can they find you on social media? Yep. All over the normal platforms, Kahulan Music, at Kahulan Music. Boom. Perfect. Kahulan, C-U-C-H-U-L-A-I-N. Yes. Yes. I pronounced Kahulan. I, I love that you, uh, you, you, you outlined that in your email signature, by the way. Uh, it's very helpful. We had t-shirts sold out of them, unfortunately. Actually, sold the last one at Shank Hall, where it was like Kahulan, and then had the pronunciation guide underneath it. Just right there on the front of the t-shirt and uh that has been a very helpful t-shirt to have <laughs> yeah i bet i bet yeah well i i'm looking forward to you coming back uh to wisconsin uh milwaukee would be great because that's where i live but if you come anywhere in wisconsin i'll probably drive to see you um wow. so so yeah uh looking forward to that um and you you leave for the the european tour when uh a week from tomorrow this okay all right. Well, I think uh, this episode will likely come out next week, maybe. Um, so, so uh, little little push there as you're touring Europe. You'll have. Um, I don't. I don't know if we have any European listeners yet, 
Um, but but you'll be keeping you'll be keeping our American listeners entertained for sure um, while you're over there doing your thing across the pond. So Kahulan, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for sitting down with me, uh, talking about whatever we've talked about for the last you know 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, I think your um, the 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 mission that you're on with your music is 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 true. It's solid. It's like uh, I really connect with it. So. I was looking forward to this conversation because I could pick up, up pick up on that when you're on stage uh, and you just delivered, man. So thank you. Man, you're also really good at this podcast interviewing thing. So keep doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, as an academically trained journalist uh, who started hosting a radio show when I was like 18. Um, yeah. It, it comes natural a little bit. So yeah. Cool. All right. Kahulan, uh hope you're, you, you're, travels are safe and that you experience what you're looking for in Europe and that, uh, that you don't be a stranger. Come back to, come back to the Badger state once. I'll have to. Thank you so much, Nick and Wisconsin. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks for listening to the musicians venture podcast. Please leave ratings and reviews from where you're listening from. Visit themusiciansventure.com for information on what we have happening, past episodes, and ways to get in touch with us. The Musicians Venture Podcast is hosted by Allison M., produced by Shannon Coulard, with theme music by Mike Newmeyer. Thanks again for listening.